Man, I'm digging that intro. Welcome. Hello, everyone. This is episode number four of the Riverfront Bengals show, where we discussed, yes, you guessed it, the Cincinnati Bengals. And we'll most likely complain about their offensive line a little bit. I am your host, Nate Dodson, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Joe Farfsing. How the heck are you, Joe? I am doing fine. Dandy, Nate, what about yourself, bud? Yeah, I'm doing well. You're looking good in those glasses over there. It's a Beautiful I feel astute. Day in this neck of the yeah. you, you look astute. You sound astute. You're just an astute guy. I'm here I, for I try. Also, can I just um, mention it is the day before fall, and it is 95 degrees in Cincinnati, Ohio, which is complete and utter bullcrap. Now, tomorrow the high is 68, so welcome to the Midwest, but it's hot. Yeah, that's, that's what they're saying here. We've got uh, two straight days of the 90s, and then it's truly fall for at least a few days after that. I'm sure we'll get another another wave, but so it goes. Um, before we go too much further, Joe, um, if you're watching on YouTube, go ahead and hit that like button or gently caress the subscribe button. If you're listening to the audio version, subscribe to that bad boy as well. So the almighty algorithm will push our sultry voices out to the masses. You know, we are everywhere. You can find podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Pods, Amazon Music, Audible, and apparently iHeartRadio, because I guess that's still a thing. And... One more thing, the show would not be possible without the support of our Patreon family. And if you would like to go a little deeper and help keep this ship afloat, maybe get a couple dope rewards in the process, why not join us over there? Just go to patreon.com slash riverfrontcincy or click the link in the show notes and let's jump right into it. Week two stunk, Joe. It was not fun. The beloved Cincinnati Bengals lost to the stupid Dallas Cowboys. Um, the final margin coming on a field goal, 20-17 uh, to 17 field goal in the final moments there. And, yeah, after having a few days to process it, how are you feeling, man? It's kind of a similar thing as the Pittsburgh game. I mean, it was one where the offense started slowly. They took care of the ball at least, so there's, you know, improvement there. Um, defense started a little bit slowly. I mean, def- then after the first quarter, I mean, defense gave up two field goals the rest of the game, but it's it's a process. Um if you actually look at Joe Burrow's history, even last year, even his rookie year, he's an incredibly slow starter. That needs to get fixed. Um, since they're not able to go, you know, to push the ball down the field, he needs to be able to get, you know, to get firing a lot faster. So, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. I found, found a stat that said, um, let me find it real quick. On the first two drives of the game, in six of the last 17 games, 35% of Joe Burrow's games, no first half touchdowns. Um, obviously that's been a theme these first two weeks and I don't know how you fix that. I don't know what the deal is. I don't know how someone becomes a slow starter, but it's becoming a problem, especially if you're going to be playing from behind. Um, and that line's not going to do what it's supposed to do. So that's going to be something that we watch out going forward. You know, let's just, let's just get into the O-line right away. Um, how, how are you feeling about their performance in week two versus week one? Um, similarly to last week, um, you actually look at the numbers. Cordell Volson actually had a great game pass blocking his, uh, we, we use PFF here because I think it's the best objective way to look at pass blocking because there's no, you know, or blocking in general, because there's no actual stats to compare. Uh, he had an 86.7 pass blocking grade, which is tremendous. Absolutely tremendous. Um, so, I mean, his run blocking wasn't great, but it was, you know, better. So um, something to point out. I mean, he's a rookie. He's going to get better and better. Ted Karras is, I believe, the sixth rated center in the entire league. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, Alex Kappa has been fine. I'm, I'm, um, he's somewhere in the middle of the pack. So the interior of the line has been, it looks like it's starting to come together. It's the tackles that absolutely killed them last week. Uh, Jonah Williams, a couple plays, uh, Micah Parsons absolutely put him on skates, just pushed him back like 10, 10 yards. Um, Lyle Collins looked like an absolute turnstile. There were a couple plays. He had his back. He spun around to the left, or he spun around to the right, and Parsons just went right by, you know, went right off his other shoulder, completely whiffed on him. Uh, there was another play. Parsons came completely unblocked. I'm not sure how that's allowed to happen. There were no, that was that was ridiculous. Yeah, there were three players blocking one guy. Now I I know they um, uh, Dallas put up a uh, fake a lot of pressure on the inside and then dropped out of it. But you had Karras, Kappa, and Collins with one uh, one defender being blocked. So they need to figure out again. Do they you know they need to run just uh, jumbo package or run you know uh, keep an extra tight end just to block? I don't know. Something needs to happen because those two guys right now are what, what, what's killing the offensive line. Yeah. I mean, nobody's going to, you know, hang anybody out to dry for getting beat by Micah Parsons. Um, I thought the interior really did a good job. They, they didn't line him up there too often because he wasn't having much of an effect. Um, Jonah Williams, to me, it seems like he is, he does his job about 90% of the time. And then he has just two or three disaster plays. So if he can clean that up a little bit, I mean, there has been he has made progress throughout his career. There's some reason for optimism, but it's not been great so far. And Lyle Collins, man, I saw or I um, overheard a stat saying that he fell down on over 50% of his snaps. Just fell down like a that seems like a bold strategy. I don't I don't know what you're doing there. Um, one analyst said about the offense that they were flawed, inconsistent, and unproductive. And I would say, yeah, that. That just about covers it. I mean, those are three words that you really want to have described for your offensive line. Flawed, you know, and cons- yeah, that's again, it's something that I think it, it it's going to get ironed out. I'm not long term concerned. Now, if they were to pull one of these two games, the first two games out, I'd be feeling a lot better. But it's something that's gonna, you know, it, it it's going to get better as the season comes on. It, it it's going to gel, but. They need, to, they need it to gel before they get in too big of a hole. Um, you're not going to face T.J. Watt, uh, Cam Hayward, and Michael Parsons every week, but every team has a great pass rusher. Every team has, you know, situational pass rushers. So even though you're not facing the top-of-the-line guys, you're going to be facing, you know, you still need to be able to shore that up, especially on the tackles. Um, it's one thing if Burrow gets pressure in his face, he can bounce out to the outside. You know, he's great getting to the outside and making plays happen, but – if he's being hemmed in, if the tackles are getting beat and pressure's just coming in for, you know, then he's got nowhere to go. So. Yeah, that's exactly right. And, you know, we'll see when it starts being a bigger deal. Cause I mean, uh, you know, they're fortunate right now. So talking about the AFC North standings, the three teams above them are one and one. The Bengals are of course, zero and two. They're fortunate to only be a game back. I think um, there's a couple epic collapses in the AFC North last week. <laughs> so the Browns are going to Brown and I just don't want the Bengals to bangle. So we'll see what happens if um, they're still right in the thick of things right now. There, there's no reason to be terrified. There's reasons to be worried. There's reasons to be concerned, but we don't need to call for anybody's heads just yet. Though if they lose next week to the New York Jets, then I think somebody's going to have to answer for it. We'll get into that a little bit more here. In yeah, there's going to be a lot of that. 
it's going to be a lot that has to be answered for if something if they can't uh, if they don't pull it out this week. Um, one other thing about the sacks: all six sacks took at least two point nine seconds. Um, some, I mean, not all sacks are equal. Some he had pressure immediately and tried to escape, and then just got hemmed in. But there were several of them to where he had three seconds. It was um, second sack of the game. It was on the second drive. He had three seconds before pressure got on him. Uh, sample was left on a um, uh, was left on the defensive end, and even though he got walked back in his face, there's he he had two receivers over the middle. He had uh, Mixon on an outlet. He's just he's looking too long. He's looking too deep too often. And, and the, what's frustrating uh, teams are playing a lot of cover two or Tampa two defense against them. That's been around since late nineties, 25 years. Mm-hmm. So it's not like there's, it's not like this is this brand new exotic defense. Uh, they knew that's what they were going to uh, uh, face coming into this season. That was a lot of the talk is teams are going to play cover two to try to, you know, keep you from going deep on you. Where's the, you know, again, I don't know if it's, play calling because you look at some of these plays, you look at the tape on the all 22, there are guys open underneath the um, mm-hmm. now the vulnerable spots are, especially in that defense is kind of the intermediate 10 to 20 yard window, which takes a little bit longer, but that's, that's where Burrow is literally the best in the league with his accuracy. Um, two to three seconds is plenty of time for a receiver to get 10, 15 yards downfield and, and to find a window in his own. Again, I, Everybody throws everything on Zach Taylor and Brian Callahan on the play calling. I don't know if it's really the case. I mean, you have four or five receivers going out. They're not all running vertical routes down, you know, running down the seam, running fades or anything. There's crossers. There's stuff open underneath. It's Burrow needs to look, you know, I don't know. You can't see his eyes on every play to see if he's just looking or, you know, the window isn't there. So he quickly switches or whatever, but something needs to happen. He needs to, if it's just look for the underneath route first or whatever, but a lot of this is on him. Now he's smart enough. He's talented enough to fix it, but fix it. Yeah, you're right. Um, I was going to bring this up later, but let's just dive right into it. Is it time to worry about Joe Burrow? Um, you know, one of the things that's really concerning to me is that his clean pocket grade has gone from a 95.9 last year to 72.1. So he has not been performing when he does have time. Um, in total this season, he's made zero big-time throws and five with the, uh, what PFF calls turnover-worthy plays. Um, Kevin Cole over there shared a graph showing the team's expected sacks based on protection and scheme. Burrow is negative five. So just based on how his offensive line plays and his blocking and the plays are running, the scheme that the, the team is deploying, he got five, he's had five more sacks than he should have. He's not doing himself any favors when he does have a pocket to work with. Um, the guy had an appendectomy. You know, there are things you can point to. I uh, he, he looks like he's seeing ghosts back there. I don't know what it is. Last year, it seems like whenever – they needed to get something going. He would hit his receivers on these little slants that almost effectively um, worked as run plays. You hit them two or three yards downfield when they're in full stride, moving quickly, and it allows them to get those yards after catch that they were so good at. That's not happening this year either. I don't know what it is. Um, I think you have to lay some of the blame, at least, on the play calls, if not um, everything. But are you worried yet about Joe Burrow? Not really, because these are uh, 
two games is, is you know is a small sample size. There are two games that they got in a big hole, and he let them back and had them in a position to uh, to possibly win. I mean, they they had the ball in a tie game last week with a chance to go ahead. Now they went three and out, but they had it. They should have won on two different occasions. Uh, game one against Pittsburgh, the extra point, and then and, and then the uh, the field goal. So it's not as if it's you know. It, it's not if he's he's out there and just being terrible the entire game. It's just he's not who he was last year. And this, I'm confident saying that this isn't who he is. He's just the team is struggling. The team is out of sync, and they're they're going to find some you know they're they're going to find some way to get um, to get everything kind of meshed and get some flow of the offense because right now it's not there. But say what you want about Zach Taylor, Brian Callahan, these guys are paid professionals. This is what they do for a living. They're going to figure something out. Is it going to be the same offense that last year was? Probably not. Um, but there's too much talent at every possible position on, you know, skill position on the field for them to continue to struggle. So I'm confident, but frustrated. Well, I sure hope you're correct. Um, if they, if they have another misstep in week three, then, then something's, something's going to have to happen. Um, back to the offensive line, 13 sacks through two games. Obviously, uh, not not ideal. Um, Brian Callahan said about Lyle Collins, and I quote, needs to be more dialed in. That's that's not good. He seems out of shape. Um, I, again, he had back issues, so that, that held him up in his own um, ramp up to uh, – um, to uh, to camp, and then he missed several weeks of camp. He had the, really the only time he really faced any uh, uh, full speed action with the practices against the Rams. I mean, he didn't even face any eleven on eleven when when the team was working. Everyone tries to say that um, that they should have run these guys in preseason games, but guys were you know the two of the uh, offensive linemen uh, were coming off of injuries, and Burrow was coming off the injury, so I don't think that would have done anything. Um, yeah, his his pass blocking grade last week was absolutely awful. Was, uh, this was in my three up three down segment, but he twenty seven point three pass blocking, which is below pathetic. I mean, that's if you do that for you know if you're averaging that for two or three weeks, you're finding a new job. I mean, you're not getting benched; mm-hmm. you're getting cut and getting replaced. Again, this isn't who he is. He's always been a stronger run blocker than a pass blocker, and his run blocking grade is strong, but he's you know. Something needs to get fixed, and I think it will get better. I don't think he's going to be elite, but you get a passable, you know, you get passable middle of the pack pass protection there, and 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 you'll be fine in the long run. All right. There were some people saying that these might have been the uh, two worst games of his career. So if you're looking for optimism, it's only going to get better. And they need to take pride in protecting their quarterback. So I think uh, nobody's more aware than they are, and. We'll see. We'll see better things this coming week. Um, so you mentioned your three up, three down. This is a little segment we do where three we identify three players who underperformed based on expectations and three that overperformed. You just mentioned Lyle Collins. Um, we talked a little bit about your next guy, Jonah Williams. Is there anything else you want to add about him? Uh, yeah, for as, pa- as poor pass blocking as he was last week, he was actually worse run blocking. Um, just a handful of plays, and, and I didn't. Um, they didn't run. They don't run outside the tackles much as a, just as a scheme. But um, anything going to that side of the line just, just didn't get, uh, didn't net any yards. Uh, Thirty-seven point nine run blocking grade. So I mean, it's he's just getting defeated at the point of attack. It, so you can't get, 
if you can get your linemen out to the linebackers or out to the second level, then Mixon's either having to make a cut in the hole or making to have a cut before he hits the hole, or he's just barely getting past the line of scrimmage before he's facing uh, uh, getting the second level second level defense. So, yeah, I mean that we can just beat this horse uh, until it dies even more, I guess. But these guys just have to do better. Um, nobody's expecting the world out of them. We just need decency. Just be solid and keep Joe Burrow upright. Um, who, who's your third guy, the third on your three down list that underperformed last week? Uh, everyone's favorite um, whipping boy from last year, Eli Apple. He was really bad in coverage. Uh, Greg reflected that. Um, we were kind of joking about the who, you know, the um, uh, wide receivers for the Cowboys that no one knows. Well, Noah Brown made a huge name for himself last week because he just kept beating uh, Eli Apple over the middle and, and beating him off the uh, off the line to get wide open. I mean, he had um, several times like that, that. All you had to do was look for number twenty, and five yards past him is where you're going to have an open receiver. Uh, he got called for a holding penalty on a key down. Uh, he just he just had an absolutely poor game, and it cost them um, those first two drives, especially when uh, for the defense got settled in. He just uh, time after time. Uh, this is when you wish Cam Taylor Britt were healthy to be able to push him. Also, and I wanted to touch on this earlier, I hadn't got around to it. Um, Dax Hill was in for a grand total of two snaps last week after being in for six snaps on. Uh, the previous week, they made such a huge deal talking about his versatility, and he's going to be in. He, he's going to be a twelfth starter on defense, and they were so hush hush and quiet about what his role was going to be uh, in the game plans. Make it sound like he's going to be used as this absolute weapon on defense. They're not putting him in the field, and when you've got a cornerback who's been absolutely just poor over two weeks, and you've got a safety who can play cornerback, you know he move him over, you know, move him in the slot and put uh, Hilton on the outside if need be, or he can cover anywhere. Why is he not getting used? I, it frustrating. I didn't really hear any, uh, uh, we're recording pretty early on Wednesday. So uh, Zach Taylor's Wednesday press conference isn't out yet, but no one really asked anything on Monday. I didn't hear anything after um, uh, in post game uh, uh, comments about why Dax Hill hasn't been on the field yet, but something, you know, Something needs to happen because Wuzier has been doing really good on the on the one side, but again, you have a wide you have a cornerback who's just leaving guys open everywhere, makes an easy target. So, yeah, and somebody needs to ask that question. We um, you're you're told all offseason, all training camp, this guy's got what it takes. And it's one thing if the the guys who he would be playing in place of, or at least relieving, were doing well or even adequately. Eli Apple is currently ranked as the 81st cornerback by PFF. That's that's pretty bad. I'm no scientist, sound good. but it's not good. But enough negativity, Joe. Let's get some positivity. We have our three up next. We touched on this guy a little bit earlier, Cordell Volson. What a jump he made from week one to week two. He was uh, easily a whipping boy after that game against the Steelers. But he looked really, really solid last week. You hope he's uh, you know, some of that stuff from the guys beside of him that are playing so well is rubbing off. What did you see out of Cordell? Well, first off, it helps when you're not facing a first ballot Hall of Famer and Cam Hayward. But um, yeah, I mean, his, 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 he did a fantastic job on pass blocking, and this is what you're going to go with a rookie. You're just you're hoping that you know. I mean, every week the skill, you know, the um, it's not going to be even. It's not like every week you know pass blocking and run blocking are going to be you know just as good as the week before. But you just hope 
every week by week by week, it's more consistent. It's going to be uh, um, just something that's reliable. And, and, and that's what this team needs is reliable, whether it's great, whether it's um, good, whether it's average, it's knowing what you're going to get. And again, I, I think he's going to get there. He um, run blocking was still work in progress this week, but you know, I think he had a very good game considering they gave up six sacks and had a lot of pressure. So. Yeah, speaking of people that had a really good game, once again, DJ Reader, number two in our three up. Um, the guy is maybe the best at his position to never make a Pro Bowl, if that's that's correct. I feel like I read that somewhere. Correct. If that is true, I do not think that will be the case after this season, especially if he keeps playing the way he has. He's been lights out. What did you notice, notice about DJ? Yeah, I absolutely agree with what you said. But, I mean, again – you cannot run the ball into him on defense. One of the reasons he's not going to make a pro bowl is because he's, he's not going to get a ton of tackles. Uh, he's a space eater. It's he's going to take on the guard and the center and leave it for the end, uh, you know, to come off for the linebacker to, uh, to clean up on the play. Um, he was great on uh, pass rush as well. There was the one play where Sam Hubbard got a sack. He absolutely pushed the, um, I believe it was the uh, guard you know, the guard of the center right into Rush's face, gave him no chance to get rid of the ball early, and uh, Hubbard scraped around and cleaned up for, uh, for a sack. Um, you're not going to find anybody in the entire league who's as strong as him. Uh, he's 6'4", 347 pounds, and you look at the guy, and, and he doesn't look fat. Like, yeah, obviously he's, you know, a little beefier than the average guy, but, I mean, <laughs> he, he's for a huge run stopper. He's pretty lean, all things considered. Yeah, he's not the average. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and, and that's the thing. He, he's not going to get a ton of sacks. He's not going to get a ton of tackles. He's going to push the pocket or he's going to uh, uh, contain these blockers to let the next guys clean up the play. And, th- and that's what you're seeing. So he, he's he just he's fantastic at what he does. Absolutely. Yeah, as great. a uh, fifth round draft pick, you can't expect much more than that. Um, you dropped this guy's name, talking about uh, our number three gentleman, Sam Hubbard. Pride of Cincinnati Muller High School. Um, he, he was all over the field. He should have had a pick. There was one that kind of right off his hands. He's dropped into coverage. Uh, the very next play is actually when he had his sack. Um, he chased down a couple runs, uh, a couple other pressures. Again, just 100% effort, what you expect from him. He's a guy that just he, – he has one speed. Um, he, he just had a very good all-around game and, and kind of what you expect. Nothing flashy, but just he's a guy that you know what you're going to get, and, and, and he's going to play his ass off, so. Yeah, handsome gentleman too. Looking at his uh, PFF photo, like that about him. We like we like we like the lookers around here at the riverfront. So yeah, glad to uh, end with a little bit of positivity after these first two weeks, which have not brought us much to get excited about. Um, let's do some quick housekeeping before we go on injury updates. And Drew Sample left the game early. Probably would have learned much more in the, uh, today's pressers. But because I've got some stuff going on, I had to bump up the timeline for this. Is there any injury news, injury updates that you feel like sharing? Uh, no, not at this time. I mean, he was the only one that had any notable uh, notable injury coming out of the game. I, I, I think any news that you're going to hear about him is going to be it's going to be a long term thing. If you saw the injury, he got his leg just kind of caught up underneath him. It, either it's an ankle or a knee or a leg. Um, if he comes back at any point this year, I'll be surprised. He had the mm-hmm. knee injury in training camp, uh, and, and this looked pretty gnarly if you saw the replay. So I, I wouldn't expect to see him at least until December, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets put on season-ending IR. 
but again, there was there there was nothing in Monday's comments and uh, nothing anywhere about his status. So, yeah, you you hate to see it, and I unfortunately suspect that you are correct. Don't go back and watch the replay. There's no no point in that. Um, just get well soon, Drew. We'll be rooting for a quick recovery over here and all around Cincinnati. So yeah, other news of the week. They announced some Pro Football Hall of Fame nominees for 2023. There were a couple familiar names and faces on there. It looks like former Bengals Willie Anderson, Chad Johnson, Corey Dillon, Taylor Spikes, and Justin Smith were among those nominated. Of that crew, who would you most like to see make the And who do you expect, if anyone? Um, I expect Justin Smith. He was he was fine as a Bengal. He went to uh, San Francisco and absolutely dominated. Uh, I believe there was a year where he was all pro defensive end and defensive tackle, um, which wow. one player filling two spots on the all pro team is pretty amazing. Um, Willie Anderson, I I hope he gets in. He's very deserving. He's another player that's just because he's a Bengal, he's not getting the uh, recognition that, that, that he deserves. But he he absolutely – I mean, he was the best right tackle in the game uh, the entire time he was on the team. Um, you look at numbers, Chad Johnson should be there, Ocho Cinco. Is he Johnson or Ocho Cinco? He's changed his name I back and forth he, a couple times. Yeah, it's a good question. Let's just call him Ocho Cinco because we don't want to yeah. step on anybody's tip. Nobody's mad about we, we, we We don't offend here. We are very – we're people pleasers. <laughs> um. Uh, but yeah, Chad and uh, Dylan both have numbers to uh, that are in line. They're not slam dunks, but you think they're guys that are maybe down the road. And especially if the dam breaks and more Bengals start getting uh, into the Hall of Fame, they'll realize, oh, you know, these guys actually were pretty deserving too. It helps that Dylan went to uh, New England and got a ring and uh, mm-hmm. had a really good season uh, uh, when he was in uh, on the Patriots. So, um, Takeo Spikes, good player, but not great, and, and he'll quickly fall off the – so. Yeah, I think I uh, pretty much agree across the board. I, I think the Ocho Cinco has a good chance just because he also had an impact that extended beyond Cincinnati. Uh, everyone league-wide knew about Chad Ocho Cinco, sometimes for good things, sometimes less less than so, but he sort of redeemed himself in the eyes of a lot of people, in my opinion. Takeo Spikes, outside looking in, going to stay that way, but he can take solace in the fact that he has a Hall of Fame football name. I'm thinking about naming my first child Takeo Spikes Dotson. I don't know if you did the same with your son or daughter. That's his uh, – Takeo is his middle name. We, you know. Okay, okay. So. You can't blame me. Nobody wants to, like, be looking at the high school scouting report and be like, who are you matching up with next week? Oh, Takeo Spikes? <laughs> I just I just quit. I'm done. <laughs> I got a hamstring injury. Uh, he – I mean, things ended on a uh, not-so-great uh, note with him here in Cincinnati, so he's not exactly well – revered uh things that end up great with dylan but he was at least you know set all kinds of records while he was here so yeah not a lot of people shedding tears if uh if if uh, spikes doesn't make the hall of fame yeah well we'll be keeping our eyes on that we love rooting for things um all the things at any time especially if they involve the Bengals. so week three coming up the Bengals are playing at the New York Jets, the Jet Repolitans. Bengals are currently four-and-a-half-point road favorites. And I don't know, man, if you don't win, if you go 0-3, losing to Mitch Trubisky, Cooper Rush, and Joe Flacco, we've got problems. Do yourself no favors and go look up 
side by side stats with Burrow and Joe Flacco right now because I think he might have filmed that rabbit hood he filmed in the <laughs> Super Bowl season in Baltimore. But I don't know, man. What do you see going into this game? What are some of your keys for the Bengals to win, other than obviously improve offensive line line play? Yeah, it's more consistency. It's uh, try to match the first half play with the or with, with the second half play because they've been a much better and much more even team the second half. Um, yeah. One of the units needs to get off to a fast start, either the offense or the defense. Defense in game one, they, they were fine. They were absolutely boxed in by uh, all the turnovers and short fields. Uh, last week, they gave up two long touchdown drives, and then they were dominant from then on. But they need to, I don't say pitch a shutout, but hold them to a touchdown, hold them to a, you know, a couple field goals in the first half. And that way, if the offense comes out on another slow start, then they're at least, you know, you're, you're not two touchdowns down. So yeah, that's definitely the first, that's definitely the first key right there. Uh, turnovers would be a fantastic thing. They have now one turnover in two games. Uh, they had their hands on a lot of balls last week. I was one of those games to where you flip a coin and they've got three turn, you know, they, they've got three interceptions on top of the, uh, on top of the fumble, but they need to turn them over. If they turn them over twice, I think they're in a uh, great position. Um, the third key of the game is to score more points than the Jets. I, I think like if you plan. do that, every team that has ever outscored their opposition, they've won every game, undefeated, the entire history of football. Then why don't more teams just do that? I really think that that's, that <laughs> should be the goal of every team going in the game, outscore your opponent. Things will fall in line after that. I love it. Um, a couple other things that I think we should keep an eye on for that game. The Jets have some young receivers that are playing really, really well. You know, everybody thought Elijah Moore was going to have a big season, but it's been rookie first-round draft pick Garrett Wilson that's been lighting them up. Um, our defensive backs have not looked very great. I haven't heard much from Jesse Bates. Not, uh, you know, I love it when a player bets on himself and wins. I would like to see him do a little more winning. Um, Joe Joe Flacco, he can barely move. So getting a little bit of pressure on him, there's not been enough pressure. I would love to see more out of Trey Hendrickson. Um, he uh, is better than his stat line will currently show. He's been steady, but I need him to uh, just beat beat his man a little more often and get that pressure. Other than that, I don't know. You have to just not get too down on yourself. I think that this uh, you know this this Bengals team is probably still pretty confident, and I think they should be. They will be uh, favorited in most matchups during yeah, this game for, for sure. So, um, and one thing, you know, Joe Flacco, 20 games versus the Bengals, you know, longtime Ravens quarterback. He is only 9-11, and 11, uh, 60% completion percentage, more interceptions than touchdowns. So the Bengals have a habit of playing him really, really well. He's got 21 touchdowns, 25 picks. Um, their defense, the Jets' defense, has given up a lot of rushing yards. Uh, looks like 123 games per – or 123 yards per game. You'd hope that this is a game that uh, Mixon – and P. Ryan can get the ball moving. Um, yeah, again, you got to hold the edges against the uh, against them. Uh, Bengals fans remember Carl Lawson. He never gets a ton of sacks. Uh, he's always there in the quarterback's face. And this is a game to where all, all those pressures would turn into sacks since the tackles have been turnstiles. But again, hold, hold up against him. I think if they can hold him in check, I think the Bengals are in a good good spot. Yeah, I think the um, the coaching staff is going to have a lot of pressure come up with a good game plan for this one. Um, you know, you've, you've seen other teams execute their game plan to perfection. I would like to see that happen for the team that we're rooting for. Um, I think some of the things that they might try to key on are, you know, they only used play action on 13.7% of dropbacks, which is the 
fifth lowest in the NFL. We've talked about it here. The Burrow doesn't necessarily love play action, but you might want to see a little more of it. Um, Taylor, some of his coaching decisions have been a bit frustrating, to say the least. Not going for it on fourth down with you know, one of the best kickers in the entire NFL. I don't, I don't know if you're paying attention if you watch the whole game, but three points kind of mattered in the end. They would have been good to have. So just a little more – I mean, what was the word, the quote that Tyler Boyd had? I have it written down here. One second. Oh, he said in his post-game interview, we had to change up our whole game plan because of how they were playing us. Yeah, that's that, that's, that's coaching. Yeah, that, that, that's what you have to do. Um, I don't like that he kind of sounds surprised if that was something that they were willing to try. I know that you have mentioned that Zach Taylor can be uh, stubborn to a fault yeah. sometimes. Yeah, um, I think you've seen a lot of that out of uh, some high-profile coaches too. Mike Tomlin is very much that way. Yeah. He has his game plan that he'll stick with for four quarters, but that's not how the best coaches get it done. And if they go zero and three, then somebody has to be on the hot the hot seat. The GM is. Not trying to be that guy, so he will pass that on down. Head coach, well, the head coach is going to try to blame it on everybody. Well, the GM's the owner, so that's definitely – he's not going anywhere. He, he can't fire himself? <laughs> he can. I don't always like to see that happening. Uh, Zach Taylor's <laughs> not going anywhere. They, unless they, unless they've got a you know disastrous 2-15 and 15 or something silly, he just signed an extension and they're not eating that money. I, w- I could see uh, coordinator uh, Brian Callahan, mm-hmm. you know, most notably if, uh, if the offense performance doesn't get better. Um, one thing of note, though, last in game one, they only threw the ball from under center twice. Uh, last week, they were a lot more balanced. They're still more run heavy. I mean, you still expect to run when he's under center, but there was they at least added a lot more passes. So it wasn't, you know, you, you, you're not absolutely just telegraphing that it's going to be a run. So they yeah. did, you know, they did fix fix that and have a more uh, more realistic split. So. Um, but again, this is at what point are you going to stop having to adjust your game plan and come out with make the other team adjust to you? Right. And, you know, that, that's how the team was last year. The team came out and teams adjusted to him. Okay, now it's your turn. Instead of having to just, you know, play off your back heel and play from behind, make the big adjustment, make teams have to adjust to your next thing. I mean, you have the ability. You've got receivers that can run any route. Like they don't all have to be vertical down the field. You have uh, versatile running backs. You have a tight end that can, you know, uh, that's athletic. Figure out a game plan that they have to game plan against, as opposed to having to, you know, be on your back foot. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, I think the longest play of week two is 19 yards. You know, they're going to need to find some way to open up those sort of explosive plays. And yeah. you talked about it. They're going to run too high. Tampa two, that cover two that works so well against elite quarterbacks that love going deep. So there's only one way to open that up. Really, you got you got to be effective down low and the Bengals certainly have the weapons to do that um they were they are currently 30th in the nfl 4.3 yards per game so it just seems to me that the uh, the problems that they have right now are all identifiable and fixable yeah and it's just up to the coaching staff and a little bit of execution and you know they had teams last year we were ready to burn the city down after uh a loss to the bears and They've, they've proven that they can bounce back. They can recover from tough losses. If you are looking for a sunny side up, it's that they are two play calls away from being 2-0 right now. Um, the other side of that coin is that they are 0-2, and they lost to two of potentially the worst teams that they are going to play this season. Yeah. So, 
We are going to yeah. go into this next week with nothing but unbridled optimism. And, you know, it's happened time and time again over the decades that the New York Jets are good for what ails you. So yeah. let's hope that's what we have this time. What are your final thoughts going into Jets week? Um, I, I want them to be creative in terms of, tr- even if it's trick plays, just, you know, uh, double reverse pass, end around, something. There, there, there's been none of that. There was, uh, uh, I mean, in the Super Bowl, Joe Mixon halfback pass, you know, throws a touchdown pass to T. Higgins. Something like that, just just to get, you know, just to change up, give him something to think about, and that's what I'm expecting to um, expecting to see. Something I don't, you know, I, I'm not going to say it's going to be, you know, a flea flicker or anything like that. But there'll, there'll be some some kind of creativity just to kind of get them on their heels, um, just to give them something to think about. So, um, again, it's just. It's time for to play with some urgency. Come out, you know, play with your, you know, with, with your ass on fire, and come out and bring take the fight to them. Don't, you know, don't be passive. Don't, you know, take a deep shot instead of just checking down. If you're waiting for the deep pass, then just throw it. You know, just stretch the, you know, stretch them a little longer. Get gain you a couple yards underneath. You know, Maybe on, get a pass interference call. You know, yeah, exactly. Like it's, I, I only saw I think two passes last week. They were actually deep, uh, deep shots. Um, that they're just not even taking. Yeah, they're not there. That's fine. Just, just throw it. Just fire it, and and again, you need the time to do that. But um, sure. so, I am yeah, seeing for uh, I am seeing the Bengals winning though. I'm tired of predicting them so. winning and not coming ahead. But I got them 21 to 17. I've got Chase actually scoring on a long touchdown pass. Um, they're gonna, you know, dam's gonna break. I think they're gonna have a good, not great game. Just uh, offense is gonna look a lot better. Defense is, you know, again, you're you're playing Joe Flacco. He's the third rated quarterback. <laughs> so far through two games, but it's Joe Flacco. It's not Joe Flacco in his prime. Wasn't the third best quarterback. He was barely the third best quarterback in the division. Um, yeah. He, he's he's going to come down to earth. Um, they're, they're going to, I mean, last year they came and that they went in the middle ends and got beaten. I don't, I don't see it happening this year. Yeah. I'm with you. I think that, um, like I said, you know, I'm going to pick the Bengals to win. Um, I've been predicting these close ones, so maybe some of these losses are on me. I've been expecting them to be too close, so I'm going to go the other way with this. And Cincinnati is going to win 28-13, to 13, and there's going to be a dominant four-quarter performance. They're going to start hot. They're going to stay there. Joe Mixon's going to close it out in the end, and we're going to see a little bit of Chris Evans just for my wild card pick because we heard a lot about that guy in the offseason too, and I would love to see some of that action. So yeah, let's um, before we wrap up here, Joe. Let's get into our weekly pick 'em. Uh, what we do here, y'all, is we play against each other. We play against some listeners. Um, whoever finishes the highest of the listeners is going to get some free swag from us at the end of the year. We will just quickly go through game by game and give some quick thoughts on who we think is going to win each. Currently, after two weeks, Joe and I are tied at seventeen and thirteen. There was a tie in there. We're not going to count those. Joe went nine and seven last week. I threw a dominant performance, just dropped it on the table, going ten and six. But it's a new week, and each week brings me a chance to lose hilariously. So let's just run through these real quick. Maybe um, just add one or two things that you think about the game, why you chose who you chose, and we'll just uh, rapid fire these. First game: Pittsburgh at Cleveland. It's a, a Thursday night matchup. Who you got? Uh, I got Cleveland, uh, dominant defensive line with Miles Garrett and uh, Jadavion Clowney. I think that they're going to live in the backfield all game long. Uh, we know what the Steelers can do on defense. It, they're on offense, and it's not much. Um, it's gonna. I think it's going to be a low-scoring game, 17-13. I say that, and it'll be 
58 to 55. But um, yeah, I got Cleveland coming out ahead in this one. Yeah, still no TJ Watt. I think uh, you know I'm probably going to pick Pittsburgh to lose just about every game for the rest of their season, at least while Mitchell Trubisky is their starting quarterback. Up next, Baltimore at New England. This has the makings of you know for for a long time this would be a pretty high profile matchup. I went Baltimore simply because I think New England is kind of up there with Pittsburgh in teams that just have too many questions that need answering and are no fun to watch whatsoever. Who do you got? Uh, I say I went with Baltimore as well. Uh, Lamar Jackson's been great so far this year. Mm-hmm. Um, Speaking about players years. that bet bet on themselves and are winning. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he's he's going to get a huge contract after the season. Um, yeah, I, I just don't. Yeah, they came back and beat Pittsburgh last week, but I, I don't. I don't buy anything that New England's selling. They're okay on defense, and they're absolutely mediocre on offense. So, yeah, couldn't agree more. Obviously, we agree on Cincinnati over the Jets. We disagree on this next one: Detroit at Minnesota. Joe, you went Minnesota. Why? Uh, they're the better team. Well, easy. <laughs> home. Uh, it's uh, they're playing at home. Um, they still have all the weapons. I know uh, Justin Jefferson got shut down. He's going to have a big game come back this week. Um, Detroit is much improved. I, I like a lot of the guys on their roster. They're not there yet. They still have Jared Goff as quarterback. So Minnesota at home, I'll take them. Um, I went with Detroit just because it's early in the season. I don't think I would have done that later in the year. I like the uh, the plucky upstart full of confidence, sort of irrational confidence teams. Right now they've got you know Monroe St. Brown just playing out of his mind. Goff is being Goff, which is perfectly adequate. And I think that uh, – you know, Kirk Cousins in a potentially high-profile game is probably just going to blow it. So that's our first disagreement, of which there will be many, including this next one, Houston at Chicago. For very similar reasons, I went with Houston on this one. I think that they are just slightly better than you know, people give them credit for. They at least are plucky. They're going to try hard. And I think that Chicago's up there with Pittsburgh and, uh, and New England as just one of those complete dumpster fire teams. Yeah, I mean, I went with uh, Chicago just because this is like last week had so many matchups of crappy teams. This is another matchup of absolute just crappy teams. Um, you got to pick somebody, so I went with uh, went with Chicago. I'm hoping I have a soft spot for the Bears for some reason. I don't know why um, they're not playing the Packers. So they've always they've got a much better chance of winning anytime they're not playing. Uh, uh, anytime they're not playing Aaron Rodgers. Um, yeah, I've, I've got them winning going to two and one. So. Yeah, that is a fact that we do have to pick somebody. And if you are playing along with us, uh, email your picks to team at riverfrontcincy.com. And you too will have to pick someone. If you're gambling, you don't have to pick a game. And I would recommend leaving that one alone. It is gross. Yeah. Uh, next up, Kansas City at Indianapolis. Uh, Kansas City, no brainer. They are just far, far, far superior. We could spend 30 minutes talking about all the ways that they're better than Indianapolis. Do you want to add anything to that? No, uh, Indianapolis is an absolute dumpster fire right now. Um, everyone thought that they were, you know, they're bringing Matt Ryan and they were getting a much better quarterback than Carson Wentz. Uh, yeah, that's not happening. Carson Wentz has been pretty good over the first two games, and Matt Ryan has looked like an old quarterback, which is what he is. So, mm-hmm. yeah, players that I do not enjoy having to root for Matt Ryan and Carson Wentz. So, Patrick Mahomes, <laughs> I think you're going to do just fine. Next up could be a little more. Uh, yeah, a little more fun, at least a little more tight. The Las Vegas Raiders at Tennessee Titans. I went with Las Vegas because I think the Titans are trash, <laughs> to put it lightly. I think Derrick yeah. Henry looks a little washed. 
I think that Ryan Tannehill is an average to below average NFL quarterback. And I think that the Raiders are great, great skill players. And Derek Carr is not only good first two weeks, but he's due for a good game. So I got the Raiders. How about you? Yeah, I mean, similar reasons. Um, it's weird. It's almost as if trading away your best wide receiver it, when you're not a very good passing team to begin with isn't a good option. And the uh, uh, Tennessee's finding that out to try to trade away AJ Brown. Um, yeah, Ryan Tannehill is a little less volatile. Andy Dalton in his prime. Derrick Henry is old. The defense isn't very good. They've scored 27 points in two games. So I think Las Vegas is going to get right this week. They'll, they'll finally get off the schneid. Yeah, wouldn't surprise me at all. Um, speaking of things that would not surprise me, this this next game could go any way, any direction. New Orleans at Carolina. I pick Carolina just because your dog agrees or disagrees. I don't know. Um, he could also make a cameo here, but if he wants to make his first appearance, his or hers, come on. But I went with Carolina just because, I don't know, Christian McCaffrey is good, and it's not a good thing when your starting teams, uh, your starting quarterback is – a four injured vertebrae it just sounds like a bad thing, which is the situation with Jameis Winston. So I don't know. Toss up for me, but I, I went Carolina. How about you? Um, I, Carol, or New Orleans has more talent across the board, so that's why I went with them. But yeah, that's apparently he's not in any risk of re injuring or injuring himself worse. But yeah, having four fractured uh, vertebrae or yeah, I think they're all for I think they're all fractured. That sounds painful. Yeah. Doesn't um, sound good. Yeah, there, there, there's not enough crab in the world for Jameis Winston to steal to make that feel better. So let's just, you know, we'll see. I don't <laughs> but know. I still think they're the legs, See what happens. <laughs> All right. Next up, we have the Philadelphia Eagles at Wanderskins. And I am going with the Eagles because I think that the Eagles are plenty good this year. And I think the commanders are plenty bad. Plus one of my favorite things in sports is rooting against Dan Snyder. Yeah, any, anytime you can, uh, anytime you can hope uh, ill will on Dan Snyder is a good thing. I, I think the Commanders are a decent team. Uh, Eagles have looked absolutely dominant. Jalen Hurts looks like he got replaced with uh, Randall Cunningham playing that uh, playing uh, back there. But yeah, yeah they, they look fantastic. So until proven otherwise, they're just, uh, hard, hard to choose against them right now. Yeah, especially against Carson Wentz, who looked okay the first two weeks, but I'm not putting my money on that. Next up, Jaguars at Chargers. Los Angeles Chargers. I actually struggle with this one. I am high on the Jaguars this year, as you and I have talked about plenty. Um, they they backed up my energy for them last week, looking really, really solid for four quarters. I, I think the East to West Coast trip is probably a little too much. I think that Justin Herbert is a top two, definitely top three quarterback in the NFL. Um, yeah, so give me the Chargers on that one. Who do you got? Yeah, same, same thing. Um, I thought – you said you were high on the uh, on the Jags. I thought you were high for being high on the Jags, but um, <laughs> Poor good yeah. you're doing the uh, I Ayuska, whatever stuff that uh, Aaron Rodgers is uh, getting uh, game prep for. Um, yeah, I, they're still not a very good team. They're better than they were last year, but just because Urban Meyer is the stench of Urban Meyer is now washed out. Um, Chargers are just a better team. Uh, Herbert's going to have a better game. He's not going to throw a 99 yard pick six. So easy pick. You heard it here first, guys. When uh, when the Jaguars make the Super Bowl, Joe and I will have an ayahuasca ceremony over Zoom. <laughs> that is <laughs> absolutely false. That, 
I don't know. I think you just locate a shaman on Craigslist <laughs> and hope for the best. <laughs> we will not be doing that. Well, no, nobody hold us to that, please. Um, next up, Atlanta at Seattle. Another crap fest. Um, I went with Atlanta because Marcus Mariota is kind of fun to root for. I don't know. He can move and stuff. Uh, both these teams are garbage. So, I don't know. I had to pick one. Um, I'm picking Seattle because I want Marcus Mariota to fail because as a Bearcat fan, I want to see Desmond Ritter in the game. Um, so I like outside, you know, again, you, you're picking two crappy teams. Uh, Seattle I, I, is the better team. I mean, they've got the, I, as, as weird as it is to say that they have the better quarterback because they have Gina Smith, they have the better quarterback. So, <laughs> yeah. and they're, and they're at home in front of the 12th man. So. Yeah. And that's fair too. Uh, speaking of the, I don't know, not speaking of anything, but kind of the opposite of that game is next the Green Bay Packers at Tampa Bay Buccaneers, both teams with at least high expectations this season. I went with Green Bay because we just talked about it. Ayahuasca is dope. I'm just kidding. I went with Green Bay because, I don't know, I feel like they just have less injuries. Aaron Jones is cooking right now, and Tom Brady looks like he forgot to eat anything in the offseason um, it's just throwing iPads around for some reason. His home life is seemingly not great. We wish him luck with that. But I don't know, too much uh, turmoil right now in Tampa Bay. Mike Evans is, is going to miss this one too after getting into a fight. So I'm just going to go with the Packers and their stability. Yeah, he looks terrible. Like It, you, it looks like he just got off the set of uh, reprising Tom Hanks' role in Philadelphia. Which is a I weird mean, thing to say about one of the most handsome men who's ever lived. Yeah, yeah I mean, he, he looks sickly. I mean, his face is sunken in like it's – you don't hope you know you don't want to say something's wrong, but man, he looks bad. Uh, he used to get on that TB12 program. I've heard so much about. I know a guy who pushes that stuff, <laughs> um, or maybe just actually eat real food for once and get some calories in your system. That that might be helpful too. Um, I've got Tampa Bay. It's only because they're at home. Uh, Green Bay's kind of looked uneven. They're one on one. They're still a good team. They've got a great defense. Um, Rogers still doesn't have anyone reliable to throw the ball to, but. You know, so that's kind of the reason why I'm picking the home Buccaneers. So, Yeah, totally fair. I can see that one going either way, too. I cannot see this next one going either way. The Los Angeles Rams at Arizona Cardinals. Um, we both went with the Rams. I still think that the Cardinals are going to be one of the most disappointing teams in the league this year. I think that they are horribly coached. I think that their quarterback doesn't seem like he really enjoys playing quarterback for the Arizona Cardinals very much which is not something you want to see. And the Rams at least have a Super Bowl pedigree. So we'll see. I guess it wouldn't blow my mind if the Cardinals won, but I am not expecting it. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of in the same boat. I've, I've almost thought about picking Arizona on this one, except for uh, Rondell Moore's got an injury. Um, I see it being a close game. When, uh, I, think, um, I think Rams right now are, are given three and a half. I think it'll actually be closer than that. But – you got the Super Bowl champs, you know, so. Yep. No, no reason no reason really think otherwise. So. Yeah. And a definite coach, definite coaching advantage. Um, yep. Next to last, we have the San Francisco 49ers at Denver Broncos. Um, my heart was telling me Denver because it's a home game and a seemingly decent team, allegedly decent team, I should say. But San Francisco's got a little mojo right now. Uh, Trey Lance goes out for the year. You hate to see that. Get well soon. But Jimmy Garoppolo, who is beloved by the city and beloved in that locker room, 
is under center. I think they've just got a little bit more momentum right now. You went Denver. Why am I wrong? Uh, because you chose opposite of me. That's why. Oh no. Um, no. I, I again. It's. I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo is who he is. He's a decent quarterback, and for them to win this year, he's the better option than Trey Lance. Not, you know, not that they wanted to go that way, but um, Denver's just a better team. I mean, they're better on offense. So they've got more talent on offense. Uh, it's going to be hard to – teams still struggle to play in the uh, in the high altitude. So I'm going with Russ Wilson and Bronco Country. Let's ride. <laughs> Please tell me you've seen that. I know we talked about that last episode. It's Have you seen terrible. it? It's terrible. Yeah, it, it's, it's hilarious and terrible. I, I know nobody wants to hear about anybody else's fantasy team, but I just sent a message. I have Russell Wilson in one league, and I sent out a group message saying 75 cents in the dollar. I just don't want this guy on my team anymore. If, nobody, if there's no bidders, I'll drop him, and you guys can find it out in the waiver wire. And I've got Jameis Winston in his vertebrae problems, and I had Dak Prescott. So I, I'll, I'm going to start Davis Mills just because I don't like Russell Wilson's face. <laughs> That's how bad it's going to there. But let's ride. All right, last game of the week before we wrap this up, Dallas at New York Giants. I picked the New York Giants only because I couldn't pick both teams to lose. I mean, re, I mean, you could pick a tie. Can you pick the tie? You can. No, but I don't, I don't see why we can't. Like, we didn't make the rules. Can, I mean, it, it's. Booed. I mean, you get booed in public for picking the tie. It, it, it's a weak ass pick, but I mean, you can pick it. Um, we saw how good Dallas's defense is. New York Giants aren't good. Um, I, again, I, I, I think it's going to be kind of a two, three score game, 21 to seven, 24 to, you know, to three, something like that. So I can't in good conscience pick the New York football giants. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, so yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. Joe, you have any final thoughts for us before we wrap this bad boy up? Just get the, you know, come out with fire and t- take the fight to uh, take the fight to the jets instead of letting, uh, letting the punch first. So Score more than the other team. Undefeated when that happens. I love it. Well, thank you, everyone, for listening and supporting the Riverfront Bengals show. Uh, The name is a work in progress. As in good ideas, we are open to those. Uh, Please remember to subscribe to the show, either on YouTube or in your favorite podcast app. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We are at Riverfront Cincy on all those platforms. And once again, a huge thank you to our supporters at patreon.com slash riverfrontcincy. The show, again, would not be possible without the support of that awesome family. And we'd love for you to join in on our hijinks. Just go to patreon.com slash riverfrontcincy or click the link in the show notes. And that's it for Joe Farsing and Takeo Spikes. This is Nate Dotson saying so long, everyone. <laughs>